Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. So here we go with the continued coverage of the United States under occupation. You know, we never thought we would get to the point where we were under the occupation of authoritarian tyrants, and it's happened. You know, democracy has been overthrown. I mean, most of us understand that the government today, you know, the presidency is under occupation and completely illegitimate. Joe Biden uh, was illegally and unconstitutionally installed. We understand that the House of Representatives is fraudulently in the control of the Democrats, achieved not through the election of the people, but by stripping the people of representation in the government and giving it to illegal immigrants. Only illegal immigrants not being able to vote just means that Democrat states get more votes per citizen, more representation per citizen than Republican states. And we know that the same fraudulent illegal election that resulted in Biden's installment in the White House is the very reason why the Democrats effectively have control of the Senate, with the tie-breaking vote being Kamala Harris, who herself is illegitimate, who is not the legitimate vice president of the United States, but got there through complete fraud and an unconstitutional process. So that is two branches of government that is illegitimate and unconstitutional. And then there's the third branch. The judicial branch, which has been largely, I guess you can't say overthrown, but has been stacked with not actual judges who abide by the law or uphold their oath to defend the Constitution, but actually think that you can legislate from the bench, who think that they are the ones that determine and actually rule the country. They are the ones that turn their back on the Constitution and refuse to allow any election challenge to actually go through the courts wouldn't even look at the evidence. I don't get why. I, I, I just don't understand why, except for these are authoritarian tyrants. They appoint themselves in control, and therefore they have no problems with authoritarianism because they're the authoritarians in charge. So what do we do? What do we do at this point? Knowing that the government and the Constitution has effectively been overthrown, and now we have a government not elected by the people, not elected in the process as outlined in the Constitution, but installed by elitists, the elitist cast class, the millionaires and billionaires of the left, like Mark Zuckerberg, who made s secret deals in order to help them run the election in, ex in violation of the law. You understand that basically it's the liberal leftist elite the elitists who have installed this government and not we the people. So the question is, what do we do about it? You know, the, the, I'm, I'm of the mind that basically there's only one thing that's actually going to be effective. If you don't have a democracy, free and fair elections, where the people get to vote on who their representatives are, vote on the government and the course on which the country is going on, well, if you don't have that and you don't have free speech, Nothing else really is going to be effective. Everything else is just there to try and, you know, delay the inevitable. It's just there to try and make you, you know, sit down, roll over, just accept what has happened and make you think, oh, you'll get them next time. But okay, let's go down this path for a moment. And let's say there is a way to take back the constitutional republic and restore it. Well, how do we go about doing that? And that is another debate. Right, in and of itself. Let's just assume 
that, you know, in 2022, there will be free and fair elections, that this unholy alliance between the left and the right, the establishment, to overthrow the president of the United States, Donald Trump, was only for 2020. And now that Donald Trump's out of office, they're going to promise to go back to free and fair elections. Well, what do we do at that particular point? Well, some people are saying, hey, we need to create a whole new party and replace the GOP. And other people are saying, no, 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 we, we can't do that. Right? Now, of course, if there is free and fair elections, I'm of the mind that, yes, we need to replace the GOP. We need to just completely replace the Republican Party with a new party, a new party where we run candidates that are like President Trump. What they campaign on is what they actually intend to do not the campaign on one thing, act tough on the campaign trail, and then once in the office, just turn their backs on us. You know, especially in the Senate, where they can turn their backs on us for four years in a row, four and a half years, and then just spend the last year and a half pretending like they actually mean what they're saying out there as they act tough again. Yes, I'm of the mind of let's replace the Republican Party. But some people are arguing against that. Some people are arguing against the creation of a new party. And their arguments is crap. It is crap. Now, I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong. It's just the basic logic behind it is just crap. And you're probably wondering, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me give you what their argument is. You can't create another conservative party because it will just split the conservative vote and give the Democrats a win. If you create a third party completely separate from the Republicans, then when people go to vote, you are siphoning votes between two conservatives. And then because of that, the Democrat will win and move on into office. Okay, I understand that. And I'm not going to deny that there is a certain logic to that. But the problem is it's crap designed to prevent you from actually taking action. First off, the idea that, there was two, that there's two conservative candidates in 99% of the elections, there's not going to be two conservatives. You'll have an actual conservative and a rhino running, and that's your option. You basically have a liberal that's claiming to be a Republican and a liberal that admits they're a Democrat, right? And so I don't buy this whole you're splitting the conservative vote thing because, well, what conservative would actually vote for the Republican Party? They're not a conservative party. They're, let's face it. The Republican Party is not conservative. And this idea that they are conservative has just been us trying to hold on for the last 30 years because of how great Reagan was and thinking that, yes, with Trump at the head leading the way, that he can lead them back to, the, to conservatism. But that wasn't the case, was it? They resisted Trump every step of the way. They supported every Democrat attack. And so this whole, you can't create a third party, we must go with the Republicans, otherwise we split the ticket. This whole idea that Oh, you know, that, that's a way for the Democrats to win. Okay, but the Democrats are winning anyways, because it doesn't matter whether the Republicans control the government or the Democrats control the government. Either way, the country's going in the same direction. Either way, it's largely the same policies. It's just a matter of speed. You know, do you want to go uh, and do, do you want the country to, to be destroyed fast or be destroyed slow? I mean, that's the only thing we're being allowed to vote on. But because they're convinced that the splitting of the vote would lead to the Democrats, that creating a new party to replace the Republicans will split the vote too much and allow the Democrats to get in, that, 
by by that statement, their logic is we must continue to vote in the Republicans. We must continue to vote for the Republican Party, who will just sell us out and stab us in the back anyway. So what's the point? What what really is the point of voting Republicans? And you're going, well, we got some great judges. We got some great judges. Really? I think this election cycle pointed out that we didn't get jack crap in the way of good judges. The Supreme Court nominations ended up being completely useless. I don't want to hear anybody out there trying to justify voting for the Republicans because of the Supreme Court. Oh, we must make sure we have Republicans for the Supreme Court. Yeah, what did that do for us? What did that do to defend democracy when democracy was on the line? Absolutely nothing. So I don't want to hear all these phony arguments about why we must continue to support the Republican Party, because really what they're trying to say is, you must support the Republican Party because you just don't have any choice. And we can't allow you to have any choice because then they're certain that the Democrats would win. Ooh. Now, I understand that the Republicans and the Democrats have the elections rigged in order to prevent third parties. They've convinced everybody that this is just only a two-party system and can only be a two-party system. I disagree. I think we need to replace the Republicans because a third party, if elected, if they actually win control of the government, will actually do what they promised to do. You know why? Because we just replaced the Republican Party that everyone thought would just be around for as long as the country exists. You know, one of the only two parties to actually be able to run in federal elections and win. Once you replace one of those parties and they know they're vulnerable, especially the Republican, the party that replaces them will be more inclined, at least for the first couple of decades, to keep their promises, to uphold the Constitution and serve the people, because they know if they don't, they too could be replaced by another party. And we know whatever Joe Biden does, whatever the Democrats do, with their illegitimate control of the government at this point in time, is cemented in stone. It will never be undone by the Republicans. Name one thing that the Republicans have repealed from the Democrats. When the Democrats take control of the government, whether you know in the past when they actually managed to do it legitimately or now illegitimately, they implement their radical agenda and their massive expansion of government. They encroach on our civil liberties, our rights. They, susp- they un- undermine and basically shred the Constitution and implement these new massive government takeovers of parts of our economy, of parts of our daily life. That's what they do when they take control. And then the Republicans somehow get back in control of government because of the outrage um, of that, right? Outrage at what the Democrats have done. Do the Republicans ever repeal any of that? Do they ever go through and say, hey, that's it. We're repealing it. We're getting rid of that. We're scrapping that program because it's horrible and unconstitutional. No, they don't. You want an example? Take a look at Obamacare. Uh, Every single Republican promised if they were in control, they would repeal Obamacare. They, under Obama's uh, presidency, they all voted, 100% of them all voted nearly 40 times to repeal Obamacare. But once they were in a position where they could actually do it, they had control of the House, they had control of the Senate, and they had Trump in the White House. Obamacare could be gone, and they didn't do it, did they? Nope. Obamacare is still in place. 
It's still destroying our healthcare system. They didn't repeal a thing. They never do. They never do. Because when Democrats get in, uh, into power, their philosophy is we must radically alter the government. We must radically undermine civil liberties. We must take control of as much as we can of people's lives and ability to live. When Republicans get into control, because they only believe in destroying the country at a slower pace than the Democrats, they're there to just first, at first just maintain where the Democrats left off. And then after a while, when we thought, yes, we have done something, then just allow it to start rolling forward slowly. The con is that the two-party system gives us a choice between two different ideas for the direction of the country, when really it's the same idea, same direction, just different pace. And another reason why I believe we need to just completely replace the Republican Party is because we already tried the plans of you know, these people saying, we don't need a new party, we just need to run better candidates. We've already tried that. You know, uh, with all due respect to Dan Bongino out there, you know, he's the one that went off and said, no, 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 we can't make a new party. It will split the vote. We need to create a new movement in the Republican Party. And we need to replace these rhinos. Yeah, you know what? We already tried that once. It was called the Tea Party. You remember the Tea Party? This great new reinvigorated conservative movement within the Republican Party. Who is going to fight back against Obama? Who was going to restore the Constitution and our liberties? Yeah, how did that go? They didn't really fight back against Obama. I mean, sure, they stalled on legislation. You know, they tried to stall the implementation of new leftist agenda. I mean, all they ended up doing was just maintaining the status quo. Did they do a damn thing to hold Obama accountable to anything? Did they do anything about all the illegal and unconstitutional actions Obama took? Nope. Nope. They, they didn't do anything. They, uh, they, once they got in there, oh, they talked tough. But I'm tired of tough talking. I want actual action. And that's what we did not get out of the Tea Party movement. Is any action. We just got a bunch of people who went in there, made, promised that they were going to do a whole bunch of stuff, promised that they were going to push back against Obama. No, they didn't. No, 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 not, not one bit. I mean, they kept coming up with excuses of why they couldn't do anything, you know, but they talked tough for the camera. And for some, that was enough. And then, of course, over time, you know, what happened? They became just as bad as the establishment. Why? Because when they got in there, the GOP establishment was still the one running the show. They were still on the ones choosing who got what committee assignment. And to get a good committee assignment, you must suck up to the establishment. So the Tea Party movement collapsed quickly for ego so that they could get the plush committee assignments by being good little lapdogs for the establishment that had no interest in holding Obama accountable, that had no interest in pushing back against the leftist agenda, that was only wanting to maintain the status quo and only allow the slow implementation. So if you think we're going to be able to go in there and, hey, once again, we're going to try yet another attempt to change the Republican Party from the inside, to bring it back to its conservative roots, another movement where we replace so many Republicans that have been in office for decades, right, that we are going to replace the establishment members, the incumbents, and then we will have taken back the Republican Party. 
Well, my answer to their whole view here that no, 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 we can't replace the Republican because it will split the vote. We need a new movement inside the Republican Party. My answer against their claims is the definition of insanity, which is to keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. All right, kind of uh, time to move along here. All right, so it's been, what, less than a week since the fraudulent installation of Biden, and he's been on a complete rampage, doing everything he can to destroy what remains of democracy and what remains of our Constitution. In less than one week, he has been a complete and total disaster. He has become one of the biggest threats to America the country has ever known. He's even becoming a bigger threat than Obama ever was. And wow, that is quite an accomplishment in less than a week, isn't it? So they're now going off and, oh, the Democrats, they want to promote what they are calling an domestic terrorism bill. Yes, a bill designed to go after domestic terrorists, except for they're not actually going after domestic terrorists. It has nothing to do with going after Antifa. It has nothing to do with going after Black Lives Matter, which, <laughs> just a little side note here. My wife, who still follows uh, the kids' uh, former school on Facebook, saw a notice saying they're dedicating a whole week in February during Black History Month to Black Lives Matter. That's right. The school district is going off and promoting a violent, racist, domestic terrorist group, and they're promoting them in the school to the children. Behold, this is great. But anyways, that's just one of the many reasons why I'm glad that I've pulled my kids out of the indoctrination camps of the public school system and been homeschooling them. And ever since we've been homeschooling them, they've advanced more in uh, this school year being homeschooled than they had in the public school system. My oldest was falling behind, very far behind, and he's made more advancements towards catching up on the core reading, writing, math, science, the STEMs. He's done more progress catching up than he ever did in the public school system. The public school system that at the age of nine had already declared him, you know, a lost cause. No, he's smart. He's actually very intelligent. And he's also happier being homeschooled. He's not being bullied. He's not being put down. He's not being told, you know, you're never going to amount to anything anymore. And he's proving that how smart he actually is when he's in an environment that allows him to actually learn. Okay. Anyways, so the Democrats want to promote what they are calling a domestic terrorism bill designed to go after domestic terrorist groups. Only who they're aiming it at is not domestic terrorists. They're talking about religious extremists. Like Muslims? No, Christians. They're using it to want to target Christians, calling Christians religious extremists. That must be monitored closely. Basically, if you take a look at you know this domestic terrorism bill, they're just using the term domestic terrorism in order to try and pass a law that allows them to target their political opponents, to target conservatives, to target Republicans. It's them trying to legalize the illegal actions that were taken under the Obama administration, the spying, the government interfering in the election in order to sabotage campaigns to help the Democrats. Basically, they want to make the entire government of the United States part of the Democrat National Committee 
whose only goal and purpose is to ensure the election of Democrats. And of course, they want to give it this altruistic sounding purpose of going after domestic terrorists. But apparently, like everything else, they need a dictionary to understand what the word terrorist is, just like they need a dictionary in order to understand what what journalism is, because they obviously don't understand that either. Right? This is typical of the left, where they try to use the language in order to convince you that they're doing something when they're doing the exact opposite. The, the authoritarianism here is just beyond the pale. I mean, America is on the precipice right now, and the Democrats are intent on pushing us over that cliff. But yeah, they're trying to actually you know, try to justify using the government to target anybody who disagrees with them. They're like the Communist Chinese Party. They're like Kim Jong-un in North Korea. They're like the old Soviet Union, Castro in Cuba. They're no different, really, than Adolf Hitler himself. They even got the genocide down. They've, the Democrats have committed more genocide and more murder than Adolf Hitler has or did during his time. But they always give an altruistic-sounding reason to justify the massive attacks and undermining of the country, massive attacks on your civil liberties, and all the atrocities they have ever committed throughout the American history. Speaking of which, oh, squad member Presley, past time to end the Jim Crow filibuster. Oh, yes, so now they need to attack any obstacle that may disrupt their ability to fully implement all their authoritarian desires. And they're targeting the filibusters, and they're trying to say it's Jim Crow filibusters. They're trying to tie the filibuster to racism. So the only way to be not be a racist is to support the ending of the filibuster. But the filibuster, which has been used by both sides, I mean, we're just going to be honest about that, is designed to protect the minority from the tyranny of the majority. You know, it's designed to help force negotiation to a compromise that both sides could live with on issues that face the country. But they want to go off and say, no, 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 filibuster's evil because it's an obstacle to authoritarianism. So if we just label it as Jim Crow and tie it to the KKK and tie it to you know the oppression of the black people, then we should be able to get uh, support. I mean, this is what the Democrats do all the time. You know, anything that stands in their way, they just deem it a form of white supremacy. Anything that is an obstacle to their authoritarian rule, they just blindly say, oh, that's racist. That's racist. You not letting us be able to dictate your entire life to you. If you're opposed to that, you're racist. You're racist. But what's also amazing about this, though, is that the Democrats are using the atrocities the Democratic Party or the Democrat Party committed in the past to justify actions to commit atrocities now and going forward in the future. How does that work exactly? How do they get away with that? That they use their past immoral, incomprehensible behavior of the past and then use that to justify taking action to be just as bad now and going forward. I mean, could you imagine this? I mean, let me just take kind of an extreme analogy here for a moment to just drive home the point. That would be like somebody going out and after having committed a whole bunch of murders, right? 
get caught planning future murders. And their defense is, well, the murders that they committed in the past justify the murders that they're going to commit going forward. What? Uh, you know, because they, tar they murdered this group in the past. So equal for equality, we must murder this group going forward in the future. That's basically the same line of logic and argument that the left is using when they're trying to go off and claim the atrocities of the past committed by the Democrats to overthrow our, our rights, overthrow our government, overthrow the Constitution itself, and justify their authoritarian nature now. I mean, only in government, right? Only in government can past failures, past incompetencies, be thought of as a reason for promotions. You know, the bureaucrat who is the most incompetent because they were bad in the past. Well, we must give them a promotion. You know, only in government is horrible, abusive behavior rewarded. Only is incompetency rewarded in government. Wow. That is just unbelievable. And yet the left has the audacity to go out there. And of course, they're, you know, their upside down twisted worldview where they cast upon their political opponent motives and behaviors that the Democrats engage in. So Vanity Fair runs this article where they ask an expert in cultism what to do, you know, because they're going out there and saying, well, if you're a Republican, if you're a Trump supporter, well, then you're part of a cult. You have a cult-like mentality. And now they're talking about how to deprogram Trump supporters. That's right. They're out there promoting re-education camps. And they're trying to justify it by saying they're, you know, the Trump supporters have been brainwashed. They're part of a cult now. You know, and I am an expert on cults. Well, I'm sure you are. You're part of one. It's called the Democrat Party. You know, but they want to cast the cult-like attitude, mentality, and the brainwashed behavior of the Democrats and cast it on to the Republicans and Trump supporters and talking about how they need to be deprogrammed and how they're going to get the schools involved in the deprogramming, as if the schools aren't bad enough, as if the schools aren't enough of an indoctrination camp where the schools were going off and punishing students by giving them failing grades if they wrote any paper supportive of the president or any paper critical of issues promoted by the Democrats, as if they weren't already doing that. Now they want to get in the schools and say, hey, we need to deprogram these Trump supporters before they get into society. And we need to get re-education camps and we need to, you know, uh, target any media outlet that doesn't support the Democrat Party line and narrative. I mean, they're going out there. They're the ones in the cult. But while they're going through and engaging in all the cult-like behaviors, they're going off and assuring their cult members that it's the other side that's in the cult. It is just unbelievable. And them going through and wanting to do this through the school system, why not? They do a lot through the school system in order to undermine and overthrow the Constitution. It's through the school system that they go through and they tell kids that America is evil, despite America being the greatest force of good the world has ever known, solve, having solved problems across the globe having led the charge in ending slavery, the practice of slavery in 95% of the world. Yes, there's still 5% of the world that still engages in slavery, and yet they want to go after the United States. So it's through the schools that 
they promote anti-freedom, you know, anti-democracy, and pro-authoritarianism. But it's also through the school that they promote violent terrorist hate groups like Black Lives Matter and throw out mentally unadjusted kids into the world, emotionally unstable people into the world who can't handle the inconvenient truth, who can't handle the inconvenient facts of life. And anytime reality smacks them upside the head, they have a complete total meltdown and start burning down neighborhoods. And of course, to be able to help keep the left in their cult, there's been a big, massive wave of new censorship all across the internet. You got YouTube now taking down press conferences of the past, you know, over the past few months, taking down all the press conferences from the Stop the Steal rally, taking down, you know, all the, any, you know, public speaking of President Trump. Why? Well, part of it is trying to block the inconvenient truth, but the other part of it is for history, right? For history. And let me explain this. See, the left has been going through and rewriting history and teaching a rewritten version of history through the school system. This is part of the indoctrination of the kids. But the problem is, because of the internet, freedom of information, books, and past news articles, we can debunk what they claim. So there's a great purge that is going on, not just of the past, you know, facts, data, truths of the past, which is why it's so important for us to keep the books that we have already purchased while they were still being published with truth and based on facts. We must keep those and preserve those for future generations. But right now, they're purging the internet of the truth about you know how great things were under President Trump, what a great American president he was. They're purging all of that. They're purging all information, facts, and data about what actually happened in this election. That way, when the elitists write the history book and fill it with all their propaganda and bullshit, there won't be all that evidence out there debunking their claims, debunking their bastardized version of history. They'll be able to get away with all of it because they purge the internet of it. And bookstores and Amazon are being purged of all books being purged of any inconvenient truth. In fact, it's all about being able to ensure that there is no actual evidence and record of what really took place so that they can use that to further indoctrinate the kids in the future. Because the problem that they realize and why the indoctrination through the schools today only has about a 40, 50% success rate of indoctrination through adulthood is because as adults, so many of them get access to the truth. You know, they can research and find the data, find out what actually happened, and the truth shall set them free. Well, the best way to ensure that the indoctrination holds at a higher rate is to purge the truth from any public access, to bury it so that they can rewrite their fictional version of history however they want. And of course, it's not just the big tech companies. It's not just the government that's being used to target you, but it's also the financial institute, PayPal and Stripe and such, trying to pull out of doing any business with conservatives whatsoever to make it harder to do the fundraising, make it harder to engage in the financial economy, to make it harder for you to support 
the organizations that you want to support with your money. And it's even in the regular bank because it's not enough to control the information and what you're allowed to think, say, and do. It's not enough to try and throw you into re-education camps. It's not enough for the government to spy on you, but they need to make sure that they control your money and that only money can flow to the left, but not to the right. So that only the left can be funded and therefore the right shall go extinct for lack of funding. Not because we don't have the money, not because the support isn't there, not because we don't want to contribute financially, but because they won't let us. And this is also why they want to go to a cashless society. With a cashless society, all money is digital. And the banks have deemed that if you are having an account with them, they get to dictate what you can and cannot spend your money on. And maybe you've heard of this, but two banks down in Florida have now closed accounts of Donald Trump. Yes, they now refuse to allow Donald Trump to bank at their bank. They are now using banks to engage in politics. They are now trying to make banks banking political in and of itself, where the banks will refuse to do business with you purely based off of your politics. What political party are you associated with? What political groups, organizations, and nonprofits do you support? And if they don't like it, they close your account. Now, could you imagine if we went to a cashless society and no, and no bank was willing to have an account with you because they didn't like what politicians you supported? Wouldn't that be amazing? And that's the society that the left is making today. So they control the information. They control you know, the schools, they want to throw you into re-education camps. And now they want to control how you can use your money and what groups you can and cannot support financially based off of the political leaning. That is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Again, the left is intent on pushing this country over the cliff. You know, and you know what cliff I'm talking about. You know, there is so much tension, so much outrage uh, that is going on with how the left has conducted themselves, all the violence from the left, all the tyranny, all the attempts to take away all of our rights. They're pushing us over that cliff and they're intent to do it. They're crazy. And of course, Biden being in office less than a week has really gone through to fully restore the swamp, fully restore the America last agenda to inflict as much damage on the United States as possible. So what are some of the things that this fraud has done in the White House? Well, he's gone to restore funding to other nations for abortion service. Yes, we're subsidizing abortions in other countries. Now, here's a good question. Why the hell are we subsidizing all these other countries? Why the hell are we subsidizing them for anything? And then if you notice what the left does here. So the left, you know, passes all these spending bills to fund other countries. Never mind that, you know, we have people who need financial help here in the United States, especially with everything that's gone on with COVID over the last year, right? They always want to talk about the, you know, we need a livable wage. Too many people living in poverty. Too many people have food insecurity. And yet they're sending how much money overseas? What if we took all the money that we are using to subsidize other countries and just gave it to help the poor? gave it to help feeding starving children, gave it to help people and lift them out of poverty. 
Imagine how much that money would be. No, 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 no. The America Last agenda means we must fund other countries and take care of other countries before we bother to concern ourselves with our own citizens. And then also what's interesting, you know how Bernie Sanders goes out there and talks about, you know, we need socialism in the United States. We need a government-run healthcare system. And then he points to these other countries that have government-run healthcare systems, and he claims that those countries have done it successfully. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. First off, they're run pretty shitty. You know, they're horribly run. I mean, sure, maybe for a few minor stuff here and there, you might get some decent service. But, you know, if you need something major done, ah, you're out of luck unless you're part of the social elite. But what's interesting is all these government-run healthcare systems that Biden wants to promote are in countries that we are subsidizing. They're not run efficiently. We're paying for their single-payer healthcare system. Effectively, any money that we give them for one area of their government is freed up to for their for their healthcare system. You know, because money is fungible and while you can make it appear like you separate it on paper, you can't actually separate it. So we're funding these countries. Then they take a look at the results of our funding and subsidizing their country and then say we should emulate the results of their country. We're the ones paying for it. And now we're paying for abortion services. Again, the left has engaged in more murder and genocide than Anybody else in history, the, the Democrat Party has, is, has killed and committed more genocide than the Nazis did. You know, but this whole, we must send all of our money to all the other countries and not concern ourselves with taking care of our own citizens. And yet, under Trump, things were going great. You know, j- people got jobs, you know, especially before COVID. You know, you got, you, you had, the lowest unemployment rate in American history. You had wages rising for the poorest among us, people lifting out themselves out of poverty. And now Biden is in the White House, as fraudulent as it is, and he's undoing that. He's saying, oh, the hell with you poor people. You're nothing but something for me to step on. We must fund all these other countries. And what else has he done? Well, Biden has gone out there and he has reversed Trump's executive orders aimed at lowering insulin prices. Yes. So how dare you think that you deserved affordable insulin? No, 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 no. Joe Biden can't have that. How dare Donald Trump say and keep his promise to help the American people? How dare he help those in need? You know, lowering, you know, uh, the cost of insulin, lowering the cost of medication, Oh, we can't have that. We need our healthcare system to bankrupt the people. That way, we can convince them that we should be able to have more authority over the healthcare system and move it to a single payer system. People won't vote for a single payer system if the healthcare is affordable. So, any action designed to actually making healthcare affordable must be undone. That's the Joe Biden doctrine. The Joe Biden doctrine is America must suffer. But of course, the left is as they are looking at the future and how they're going to be able to write their fake narratives over what happened, are going to have to come up with a way to make Joe Biden look good on the coronavirus and try to write the history books as if it was Donald Trump being incompetent that allowed so many deaths. Well, now Biden comes out and says, well, there's nothing we can do about the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. Oh, yes. 
So they were saying that you could control the coronavirus. You could control the pandemic. You just needed the right person who had a plan to do it. And somehow the right person was someone who was part of botching the past two pandemics. The person who botched the outbreaks of the swine flu and the bird flu, you know, Ebola, you know, who, you know, luckily, you know, was not nearly as infectious as the coronavirus. But we're going to put someone in charge who claims to have a plan when they had failed the last two, three times. Someone who is part of an administration that failed to restock our nation's emergency medical equipment, PPEs. And of course, they wanted to blame Trump for the PPEs that the Democrats failed to replace after they depleted them. But now that Biden's in office, oh, we need a new narrative. And now that narrative is, well, you can't really change the trajectory of a pandemic. You can't really get this under control. You know, the, you know basically, they're admitting that they lied. They lied in all of their attacks on President Trump. But they need a way to be able to make it look like Biden has done something. Because it was Trump that got the vaccines out. It was Trump that came up with the distribution plan. So we need a way to make Biden look good, to make it look like Biden solved the problem. So, of course, the WHO, which is not a credible, is not a credible organization anymore. They are purely political. They, they bend health care to fit political narratives. Well, they have come out and said, well, we're going to change the testing criteria now that Biden's enough. Oh, yes, yes. They're going to change the testing criteria so that there will be fewer reported cases, fewer newer. So what is this? Well, under Trump, it is they have these tests. The tests were inadequate because they were so sensitive. They would pick up artifacts or other you know, uh, closely related COVID strains, not COVID-19, but even you know, cold. You know, it was really quite amazing how sensitive that thing was, that it was giving false positives all over the place. But they kept using that as long as Trump was in office because all those false positives made Trump look good. I mean, made Trump look bad. It gave the left their narrative. But now that Biden's in office, it's time we change our testing requirements before we report positive results. So it's not just one test. There has to be multiple tests that come out positive and the person has to actually have symptoms now before it's reported as a new case. Whereas under Trump, it was just one test on an overly sensitive kit that gave, you know, what, what was it? 50, 60, 80% false positives. That's what they were using under Trump to report new cases. But under Biden, it's two tests and you must have symptoms before it's reported. You can see how the, the two methodologies, over how they were testing under Trump and now how they were testing under Biden is that under Trump, the testing methodology was to produce the greatest amount of positives possible. Under Biden, it is to try and report the lowest possible amount of new cases possible. And so even though nothing's changed as far as the virus and the pandemic, even though nothing's changed, even though Biden does nothing, the new reporting standards will make it look like Biden solved the pandemic. It's designed to make it look like Biden, once he came into office, he had real leadership and ended the coronavirus. The only thing that changed was how they decided to report the testing, how they decided to do the testing. 
You see how the left goes through and does their propaganda campaigns, how they manipulate, how they twist everything in order and bends and corrupts every institution to their political will, and then how they plan on writing the history books as a result. Sickening, sickening. And then, of course, for all of you who thought, well, okay, let's placate to the domestic terror, you know, the Antifa crowd, the Black Lives Matter. If we just give them what they want and, you know, what, and, you know, overthrow democracy, you know, if we just give them what they want, if we just rig our elections to give them what they want, which is ousting Trump and installing Biden, everything will be peaceful. You know, they'll stop threatening the families of politicians who don't support their causes or, you know, who would dare support challenging the results of the election. That is another issue. If we just cave in to these domestic terrorists and try to appease them, then they'll stop burning down the city. They'll stop destroying neighborhoods. They'll stop viciously attacking people. Well, you'd be wrong because appeasing terrorists, appeasing violent terrorist extremists never work. Appeasing the left never causes them to abandon violence. And why would it? If violence got them where they wanted, if engaging in acts of domestic terrorists, lying, cheating, stealing, committing crimes, violating the Constitution all over the place, supporting domestic terrorism, engaging in domestic terrorism. If that led to you getting everything that you want as people try to appease you, why would you stop that? Why would you think anybody would stop that? They're like, well, this got us what we've wanted so far. Hey, if we just keep doing this, we can continue to get more of what we want. This is great. The more violent we are, the more they give us. Who could have thought that? You know, who could have figured that out? You know, how is it that the how is it that we did not realize that mentality? Now, of course, you know, those of us on the right who do have a brain, you know, unlike the left, we knew that was the result. We knew the violence wasn't going to stop. We knew it wasn't because they're always going to find more people to attack. And of course, as they've run out of conservatives and conservative groups to attack, you know, and because they want to you know, keep using and wielding the power of violence and cancel culture. They're going after the left, you know, canceling the left because authoritarians eventually eat their own. You know, the only way to expand more power once you've gotten rid of your political opponents is to start attacking those who were your political allies and make them bend a knee to you as well. And so the violence isn't going to stop. And of course, the Domestic terrorism bill is not actually, you know, designed to target actual domestic terrorists because the left would never actually go after their own constituency. <sighs> Sickening, isn't it? Just makes you completely and totally sick to your stomach. All right. So that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank you so much uh, for listening. Leave me a rating review. If you can, you know, share this on uh, whatever site that still allows any form of free, right? Let's try and, you know, build everything up uh, again. And we need to replace our current set of so-called conservative leaders because they're not interested in actually being leaders. You know, they're only interested in being able to pretend like they're doing anything or caring from behind a microphone because they only care about their own bank accounts and lifestyle, not the actual country, which is why, you know, people like Ben Shapiro, Oh, when push comes to shove, you know, always backs down to the left and tells you 
to calm down. Don't you dare actually do anything that will actually result in change or the restoration of the country. More on that. I mean, I, I, I have more and more growing disgust for Ben Shapiro and how he's not really you know, a conservative leader. Sure, he talks the talk, but he doesn't walk the walk. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything with his money to actually try and affect change. He's, his only issue is as long as he can get out on the microphone and make, you know, he's just there to make it sound like somebody's listening, like there's a plan, you know, to feed you, you know, what it, what it is that you want to hear. Yes. You know, and it may be true, but when it comes to actually doing anything, he's there to tell you, don't do anything. You know, his whole shtick is, we're outraged. Now roll over and play dead. That's his whole shtick. All right. So anyways, thank you uh, for listening in for as long as this podcast is allowed by the tech tyrant, you know, which I, since I'm not on the size and scale of the Ben Shapiro's, uh, you know, the phony uh, at the top. Or, you know, Dan Bongino, I have a lot of respect for him. There's some areas where I disagree, and I, I've never met him. He doesn't have a clue who I am. But anyways, I have a lot of respect for him, but I'm not on his scale. And if I was, the left would be trying to take it, me down, you know, try and make this podcast unavailable. So for as long as it is available, keep listening. Leave me rating and review. Share this where it can be shared still. And I will be back again soon.